The days are surely coming, says Jeremiah, to a people traumatized. The days are surely coming, says the prophet, to a people sitting in the middle of rubble, of devastation, of broken bricks and broken hearts. The days are surely coming, says the prophet Jeremiah, to a people split in half, South Kingdom, North Kingdom, Israel, Judah, Republicans, Democrats, vaccinated, anti-vax, poor, rich, white, black, Asian, indigenous, Latinx, immigrants, non-documented, the days are surely coming, Jeremiah says, to a people war-torn, beat down, broken up, no temple, snatched from their homeland, the best and the brightest, exiled to Babylon. The days are surely coming when the promise I made to you of peace, of wellness, of wholeness, of well-being, of prosperity, of connection, of thankful living, of goodness, of justice, of wellness. Those days are coming, the prophet says, in the middle of the hot mess. Not when it's better, not when it's over, not when the hearts are no longer grieving, not when the tears are no longer falling, not when the chatter is no longer toxic, not after the little boys take rifles to a protest to manage the people, not after the black man running is hunted for sport. No. When the stuff is still hitting the fan, when the politics are toxic, when the hope is dried up, when the land is shards, when the crops are failed, when the culture is broken, the people are ripped apart, the prophet says, in those days, in those days, Judah will be saved Jerusalem will live in safety. There will be mending. There will be repairing. There will be justice. There will be kindness. There will be love. There will be generosity. There will be a unified people whose hearts are connected one to the other, whose well-being is inextricably bound in the spirit of Ubuntu, who see each other as kin. This is the promise in the middle of the mess. It's just hard to believe it. It's so messy. 
those people had given up on themselves and given up on their God and had told themselves all kinds of theological stories about why things, what's the theological word, sucked. <laughs> they had clearly sinned. They had clearly cheated on God with other gods. Clearly, it was in their control. The devastation something they hadn't done right so that they felt better about how bad it was. Walter Brueggemann says, Jeremiah is hard to read. This is true. But he says it's hard to read because we won't look at it truthfully. He says it's actually a text about the abyss, about the bottom humanity can go. It's written in the context of the absolute worst scene in the history of all of Israel. And even then, as it was happening, the people to whom it was occurring didn't want to see it, didn't want to know, didn't want to look didn't want to tell the truth about how bad it was. And so there were false prophets popping off, telling folks it wasn't so bad and it was going to get better. But without telling the truth about how bad it was, the hope was shallow and false and empty and t like tin, like nothing, like dust. I think America has a truth-telling problem. I could say the world has a truth-telling problem, but that's too big for today. I'm going to say we can't handle the truth to steal from a movie. We pretend that there's something normal about the way Politicians speak to each other in public. We pretend that it's kind of a game to play when one politician makes an anime to threaten the life of another because they disagree. We pretend, well, we pretend that it's wrong for me to play the race card when I say, a black boy carrying a rifle would never have made it through the police, let alone to a trial, let alone to millions of dollars raised to save him. And when I say that out loud and some nice white liberal person tells me I'm playing the race card, I think I sh want to say, why aren't you? Why aren't we all playing the race card? We can't handle the truth of the permanence of the disparity among the races in this land. We sit at our dinner tables and eat turkey, still too many of us, under the fallacy of pilgrims and Indians having a really nice party without acknowledging the way the nation was built on stolen land 
by stolen bodies and we keep stealing. We can't handle the truth of the way we lie about our origins and the lack of democracy. We can't handle the truth about the way our children are being raised by broken-hearted parents who were raised by broken-hearted parents, who were raised by traumatized parents, who watched the flaying of black bodies, the pillaging of indigenous bodies, the misuse of Asian bodies, the discounting of female bodies, and the ongoing disparaging of queer bodies. Come on, somebody. We can't handle the truth. And if we don't look straight at the truth, if we can't see where we are, we can't get to where we're going. If we can't own the brokenness of our nation, we can't help God keep her promises to make it better. I'm as ready, that's not true, I'm almost ready for the smell of pine in my living room. I'm almost ready for candles twinkling. I'm almost ready for carols singing. I'm almost ready for pie baking. I'm almost ready for the merriness that will come our way in a couple more weeks. But I don't want you and I to rush through the darkness to the light. I want you and I to sit shiva, to mourn the loss of Charles, the loss of Melanie's dad, the loss of the bodies that we've lost to COVID, the loss of freedom, the loss of liberty, the loss of hope, the loss of regular, ordinary hugs. I want us to hold on to that feeling of alienness, of exile for just a little bit, so that it breaks our hearts just a little bit, so that when we pray to God for deliverance, we can feel the, the space where God is entering in. Not the fake place, but the real place, the terror, the heartbreak, the place in the darkness where the light needs to crash in so we can see where we're going. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? In those days, in those days, God is going to fix broken families. How do I know? I'm a witness to broken family fixing. I'm a witness to telling tales I'm a daddy in my book. Hi, Dad. And him calling me to say how proud he is that I put this truth in the world so other families can know they can recover. Come on, it's a miracle. In those days, God will fix what's crooked. How do I know? We're a witness that God liberated the captives of Israel and liberated the black captives in this nation and has liberated us captive from grief and pain and heartache and alienation with our own selves. I'm a witness that God is in the business 
of fixing what's broken. And you are too. But we know it's not about magic. We know it's not about twinkling noses and suddenly. We know it's not about rubbing a genie lamp and poof. We know that God liberates God's people with people. We know that God opens doors with people, makes it right with people, heals the world with people, uses ordinary folks to make it better. Which is to say, none of us can be bystanders to the healing of the world. Which is to say, none of us gets to pretend Which is to say, you are the hands and the feet and the heartbeat of the holy, who in fact will crack the world wide open and make a more just society. Because of you. Because of what you say to your children at the dinner table. I don't want to like, embarrass Graham and Amanda, but I'm going to for just a second. White Southern people with white children, they're all white, <laughs> and every time you look up, this family is raising, I'm going to steal you, Amanda, imagination for a healed world, a well world, a recovered world, a restored world. I like that. White people have white people work to do to raise children who have an imagination for an anti-racist society. I like that. I like all y'all who go past the Chinese church and the Hispanic church and the white church and the black church to come to this mixed up place where you don't know who you're going to sit next to and what they're going to look like. And your politics are not the same, but you're here because you know love's got something to do with making it better. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that you test your resolve by letting a red-lipped, dreadlocked black chick talk to you on Sunday about race almost all the time. <laughs> almost all the time. And you come back for more. I like that. <laughs> I like that you and I know that we're not going to get better in segregated silos. We're not going to get better pretending that it's better. We're going to get better because we choose to see. We choose to see the world as it is and as God has planned it to be. That's hope. That's hope to see the world as God planned it to be even when it's not yet there. Hope is the space, the dream space, the what-ifness between the now and the not yet. And every single one of you is charged with moving us one step closer to the reign of God on earth. By every mean necessary, except violence. Can you feel that? This is, 
This is your job. How you spend your money, where you live, what media you consume, what stories you tell, what songs you sing, which prayers you pray, what you say at the dinner table to Uncle Bob and them, what you do at the workplace, in the marketplace, on the street, in your community, how you be loved everywhere, every day, all day long, 24-7. I can't preach these words without evidence. I can't. You are my testimony. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Don't let each other down.